Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Bike Karma Bicycle Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Brown. This is a podcast about bringing people from all different parts of the bicycle-loving world together to share stories and make connections. We just reached 18,000 downloads in all 50 states and over 50 countries, so thank you very much for that. And you can now listen to us on Spotify, so one of the many places that you can listen to us on. And remember, if you want to help the show, please like, follow, share, leave a review on any of the platforms. It is greatly appreciated and helps us out a lot. Have you ever wanted to take your pet cycling? Well, today we go with Teddy Boy Sinclair, a large tuxedo cat, to find out what it's like to take your cat safely cycling. Then, if you've ever had something fall apart that should have stayed together and wish that things were overbuilt and meant to last, the next story is for you, which is about making a bike that is the most durable bike you can imagine. And finally, imagine that you're out on a bike ride and a white van pulls up to you and tries to mug you. That's what happened to our friend Bruce. Find out what happened. All this and more on this episode of Bike Karma. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Let's roll out. I'm here at the beach in Rhode Island. I'm thinking to myself, God, I miss my cat a little bit. But as I look around, I don't see anybody else with a cat. Oh, wait, there's one. No, that's a child. Okay. So what if every time you went to go for a bike ride, your fuzzy little buddy looked up at you and said, I want to go too. And in your mind, you remember that YouTube video with the cat that climbs on the guy's shoulder while he rides his bike through the city. Teddy Boy is not that extreme, but he's a really cool and chill dude and one of my favorite cats on the internet. Let's listen to him and his owner, Judy, as they learn and talk all about taking a cat cycling. People ask, who is Teddy Boy? I've had him for about three to five years. He's a very handsome tuxedo who weighs in at a hefty 15 pounds. He is, of course, a rescue. He lived in a neighboring town on the streets for about a year and was fed by a kind woman. When she and her family moved to Texas, she turned him over to a humane society at a mere eight pounds, and I came along three months later. Absolutely one of the most charming cats I've had. Sweet, easy to get along with. Everything rolls off his furry back. He poses for pictures endlessly. He uh, writes paw reviews of children's books and I will pose him with the book and he literally will hold the pose from 30 seconds to a minute and a half, just changing it slightly. People have described him as a rock star. And that's correct a sweet and mischievous rock star, but a rock star nonetheless. And somehow I think he knows he's a star and acts accordingly. I lucked out in the cat lottery when I got him to come live with me. 
Let me give you an example of how charming he is. I had a fight with the gas company about two years ago over my gas bills. So they sent someone out here to see me. I had laid the gas bills out on the kitchen table and the gas man and I were going over them when all of a sudden Teddy Boy jumped up on the table and literally started rolling around on top of the bills, exposing his belly. He flirted outrageously with the gas man, putting his paw on the man's sleeve. We both laughed uproariously. Of course, I lost the argument. I should have known better than to go up against a local utility company, but I never minded so much losing an argument as I did that day. Why do I want to bike with Teddy Boy? It's a good question. I bike with Teddy Boy because it's fun. It's a very simple answer, but it's so true. But you always have to weigh the needs of the joy I have biking with Teddy Boy versus whether he wants to do it. In Teddy Boy's case, he's relaxed, laid back, very confident kitty, loves to explore and very curious. So I thought he would be a good candidate. I have two other cats who I would never do that with because it would quite frankly be cruel. But I think there's a number of things you have to keep in mind when you take a pet or a cat specifically with you on a bike ride. In Teddy Boy's case, and I think with any cat, you should have a halter and leash. You may need to take the cat out of the basket. It's just an extra safety precaution. I do not bike with Teddy Boy if it's too muggy or too hot. The basket's very well ventilated, but I'm just a little concerned about that. I go on shorter rides with Teddy Boy, um, not more than half an hour to 45 minutes. And I always make sure to have a water bottle or water for him. You always have to balance your desire for having the cat with you versus whether the cat wants to ride with you. In Teddy Boy's case, he hates when cars go by. He's pretty, he's pretty cool when there's no cars, but when cars go by, he starts meowing. So I've decided that in the future, I will only bike with him on dedicated bike paths. It'll make him happier, which will make me happier, and I think we'll both enjoy the ride more. So just use good common sense. It's a little more risky to have a cat or a dog but we're gonna stick with cats with you when you're biking. Just use good sense. How does one carry a cat on a bicycle? It's a good question. I spent a lot of time on Amazon Googling cat bicycle baskets, and I didn't think there was a whole lot out there. Um, plenty of dog baskets. But by and large, the dog baskets did not have tops. Since cats are the ultimate escape artists, you need a top for their basket. The second issue I had to deal with is whether to attach a basket to the front handlebars or a basket to the rear rack. Obviously, I wanted something up front, but I was concerned about the weight load. Teddy Boy weighs 15 pounds, a basket would be two to three pounds for a grand total of 18 pounds, and I wasn't sure that was necessarily the safest thing to do. So I bought a basket for the rear. I looked at a lot of baskets and looked for ones only with tops at this point, and I wasn't overly impressed. There was a couple of baskets with a wire top, but I thought the holes were too big in the wire and a cat could slip out. Then there were sort of padded suitcases, which I thought were pretty bad. I settled on something called the Bikase, B-I-K-A-S-E, Dairyman Rear Basket Pet Kit. 
It can hold groceries and then you put a top on and it can hold a pet. There's lots of holes in the bottom part of the basket, which I think is plastic. There's a wire mesh that you zip on top. I had great people at City Bikes, a place in the Maryland, Washington, D.C. area. They put the basket on the bike rack in the back and then affixed it with ties also to make sure it would really stay on well. As I was taking the bicycle out of the shop, I mentioned again my desire for something in the front. And they did suggest that I could put a rack over the front tire and attach a basket that way. Again, I, I worry a little about the front load. I had talked with Nantucket Baskets and they had taken one of their wicker baskets that attached to the handlebars off the market. Uh, it had a 10 pound weight limit and people were putting 15 to 20 pounds in it and not being able to control the bicycle. The other issue you run into if you put something on the handlebars is there's loads of cables and, you know, trying to arrange the cables to, to sort of mix around the basket or make room for the basket among the cables gets to be a little more problematic. One option that I didn't look at until recently is pet, cat or dog backpacks. There's a lot of good ones out there. Uh, good research has been done on them and that's another alternative that you could use to give uh, your either cat or dog a ride with you on a bicycle without worrying about front load and back load. So I actually think I am gonna investigate that a bit more and may purchase a backpack. What I'd like to see with bicycles, and let me state up front, I know far more about cats than I do bicycles, is a bicycle model that's maybe specially made to carry pets. More and more people want to take their pets with them. Virtually every bicycle guy I ran into in the shops was either had a dog or a cat and thought it was a great idea. But it seems to be an afterthought, and, and let's not make it an afterthought anymore. We could have a bicycle called creature features, um, special features that make it easy to add on what you need. I think anytime you get a pet over 25 pounds, you're gonna have to have a trailer in the back. But again, make that a really simple hookup. Teddy Boy, of course, thinks that bicycle designers should design a bike with the cat in mind as the foremost reason for the design. Something with a platform on the handlebars where he can sit in luxury and survey the scene, and the human would be in some sort of basket contraption bicycling away. I've told him there's not a snowball's chance from hell that that will happen, but he still dreams on. Well, Teddy Boy and I are about to start our ride. It's been seven to eight days of rain. It's a little muggy today, and it's still drizzling now and then, but we're gonna give it a try. So now we're bicycling past Noise Children's Library. It was saved by Steven Spielberg's sister. Her uh, husband, I believe, was a council member for Montgomery County. And it's a lovely little library for children. I'm now bicycling past an abandoned nursing home surrounded by azaleas, large oak trees. Architecture, I'd say, was the 1930s. An all-in-all -all lovely building. 
it's time to draw this bicycle ride to a close. Uh, it's been raining for close to 10 days. Uh, I have no idea how much rain we've gotten. Uh, there was flood warnings, but it's starting to drizzle again. And as everyone knows, cats hate to get wet. Um, in fact, Teddy Boy, the tuxedo cat, has suggested that I build an ark. Not a bad suggestion. It's been loads of fun traveling with Teddy Boy. I look forward to doing more of it, and we'll see what happens. If you would like to follow Teddy Boy's adventures, he does have a website, Teddy Boy Sinclair, and Sinclair is spelled S-I-N-C-L-A-I-R. So that's teddyboysinclair.com, where he does paw reviews of books and other things. He also has an Instagram feed, and that's Teddy Boy Sinclair. His careless caretaker, which is me, Judy, is also a book artist. You can follow her art at Judy Falkenberg, and that's F-O-L-K-E-N-B-E-R-G, judyfalkenberg.com. She also has an Instagram feed, Judy Falkenberg Art, and a blog, thisandthatbyjudy.com. Anyway, I look forward to having more adventures with Teddy Boy on the bicycle, and that's all for now. Ask my wife what things get under my skin the most, and she'll have planned obsolescence near the top of the list. This is a form of deceitful trickery done by businesses to essentially sabotage their own products, forcing you, the consumer, to buy more. I hate this practice on so many levels. One, it's really bad for the earth. But on a more personal level, I feel that a product should last a long time if it isn't abused. Brooke Stevens, an early industrial designer, is credited with coining the phrase planned obsolescence, but examples of it lie just below the surface in every industry. Large companies are trying to make the bicycle a throwaway object, and they are in some cases succeeding. So what if somebody in the bicycle world went the opposite direction of disposable? What if someone wanted to make a bike that was just the best bike they could make? A bike that could last for generations. Well, to me and my dad, if he were still around, they would be heroes. That's what the guys at Emory Bikes are trying to do. Now bear with me, there's a story within a story here. And I know he gets technical in a couple parts, but only for a second here and there. And he is quite a character. Hello everybody, Clayton Smith here. The Bicycle Hour will resume momentarily. But he also has a great story about bicycles, trying to do your absolute best, and family, that I think you'll be happy you listen till till the end. You can almost ride the bike, except for the Shimano rear end, for example. You could ride the bike in the ocean. Just spray it off and do that over, over 15 or 20 year period. You could have this bike on your sailboat or at your place at the beach and it would look almost the same in, in in 20, 30, 40 years it looks when it's brand new. You'd have to replace the tires, for example, but everything else would hold up because it's anodized aluminum and stainless steel throughout. So we make, in my opinion, the best bicycle ever made of that type. Uh, I might be a little, you know, might, might think that maybe 
But no, no, I'm going to say it again. The best bicycle ever made, period. Hi, I'm Clayton Smith from Jacksonville, Florida, and I am uh, connected with the Smith Manufacturing and the Emory Bicycle. So what we've done with our bike is go back to basics, back to the one-inch tube, back to having the angles exactly where they should be, so you're at prime efficiency for riding a cruiser-type bicycle. Then we use uh, high-pressure tires. We're after durability and low maintenance, and that's what we've been able to achieve. That brings it full circle. It doesn't have to uh, eliminate the cruiser bike in, in favor of a mountain bike. It doesn't have to eliminate the cruiser bicycle in favor of a road bike. It's like a guy who buys a Ferrari, and then he needs a bigger car than a Ferrari. But one bike won't sit, fit every purpose. You don't want to take your very expensive, very small tired road bike on the beach. So our bike is made for the people who live by the shore, environment that's very caustic, like the ocean. And uh, people that want a bike, want to buy an heirloom, want a bicycle that's actually going to last. When you put tapered roller bearings on a bicycle, the same bearings you put on a motorcycle, it's going to last forever. And that's what we're after. A bicycle that won't last for decades, but will last for generations. So if you ask my wife what things trigger me, there's some things that trigger me. Some things you just don't bring up at dinner with the relatives, <laughs> but one of them is planned obsolescence. Mm -hmm. And when you buy five washing machines since you moved to your house, when you buy that fifth washing machine, you do all the research you can to see how easy is that sucker gonna be to fix because I'm sick of buying washing machines that just fall apart and you go to the maintenance websites and you get one that's basic and beefy as heck. And you just say, I don't need any special features. I just want something that's just gonna wash the mm -hmm. damn clothes. Exactly, back to basics. <laughs> and so when I walked over to your bike uh, here at the North American Handmade Bike Show, it was like, that bike is not gonna win the Tour de France. That bike is not gonna go up and down the trails. But if I need a bike, that is always going to be there <laughs> to be a bike. That bike looks like it'll be there. You could have some post-apocalyptic movie, <laughs> and that bike will still be looking pretty much like it does now. And right. I love that because it's it's the opposite of planned obsolescence. It's mm -hmm. like planned, like you said, planned durability. Exactly, exactly. And, and I think there's something to be said for doing that. No matter what country you're making things in, if the people are making things there to last, then you can move on to the next thing. There is a point where everybody in the world could have a bike. True. And in your bike in particular, if you gave every person who wanted a bike that bike, mm -hmm. everybody would have a bike that would last them. That's true. And you could shift on to other things like curing cancer and other stuff like exactly. that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's like you said, uh, remember our, our history with Swin. We were distributors for Swin for 20 years, and they made their mark on quality, which made a, a meant that their bicycle would last longer, be more durable. So we're kind of following the same footsteps, except our bike is like Swin times 10. It's over-engineered. At the same time, it's not that heavy. It'll be under 30 pounds. I mean, it's not going to be a, a, a so heavy you can't pick it up or anything. It's, it, it uses stainless steel tubing. It's only a very thin wall. has a, a tensile strength, 150,000 PSI. So it's thin walled, to, and that compensates for the heavier bearings. 
So you end up with a very good compromise. Extreme durability, extreme engineering, and uh, a bicycle that will, as you said, always be dependable. I mean, you always, with no maintenance, you don't have to worry about carrying a wrench around with you. It's going to be where it, it's going to be just where it's sitting every time you go out to get on it. A lot of people ask how we got into the bicycle business. It's a very interesting, convoluted path. And my name is Clayton Smith. Our middle name is Clayton Emery Smith. When we first started in business, we were distributors for Swin at one point. In fact, for 20 years, we were distributors for Swin. My father and uncle started the business under Clayton and Willard Sales. Willard was my uncle, Clayton my dad. 76, we decided to start making our own bicycles. And I went to uh, Little Falls, New York, bought the tooling from uh, at an auction from uh, Rollfast. So our bike harkens back to the Rollfast, which is made by H.P. Snyder in Little Falls, New York. Brought all the stuff to Jacksonville, Florida. And in 76, we started making bicycles. The name Emory comes up because when we first started, we were trying for Smith Manufacturing. Our last name is Smith, but uh, it was taken. I don't know why, but it was. And so uh, our middle name being Emory, we applied for that, it was open, and so we were Emory Manufacturing for many years. Had a chance to be an LLC, I'm going to skip forward a little bit, a few years ago, and the uh, attorney said, hey, you can change your name if you'd like. And uh, so we said, hey, let's try to get Smith Manufacturing, but that guy was still in business after all those years. So we uh, undaunted, I decided to change the Smith to a C, the S in Smith to a C which drives people absolutely around the bend, especially if they have to write it down, but they never forget that name. Still pronounced Smith, C-M-I-T-H. We make now the Emory Bicycle and Smith parts to go on the Emory Bicycle. But to go back to the other side of the story, so in 76, we were doing quite well making industrial bicycles. I had two guys working for me, Gordy and uh, JJ. They'd both gotten out of the Navy and they lived at the beach, young uh, bachelors, and they were crazy. and. They had a crazy idea about fixing up some bikes. So they took, asked me, said, uh, we've been working so hard, you're a slave driver, you, just, you should give us a bike. So I said, okay, they talked me into it. They painted one blue and one green. They took the seat, put on a big seat, took off the fenders and put on handlebars, painted all the spokes and the hubs and the rims black, matte black, and boy, they looked pretty good, and I was glad to give it to them because they had worked hard. They were, they were really wonderful guys. About two or three weeks later, I asked them, uh, well, hey, you like your bikes at the beach, and uh, you have a lot of girlfriends, and how's it going out there? Wow, that's great. Oh, man, fantastic. They said, well, we don't have those bikes anymore. Uh, well, uh, what happened to those bikes? Uh, we sold them. What? You sold the bicycle? <laughs> those are expensive bikes. <laughs> How much did you get for them? And he told me, and we started making the first cruiser bikes after that. <laughs> so the, we, started, we used to call them sand cruisers, and then later people just started naturally calling them beach bikes or beach cruisers. So we really made the first cruiser bicycle. That was in, after 76, 78, uh, probably up to 80 or so. We started doing contract stamping and tool and die work after that because all of the bicycle manufacturers had moved to China and we were making a standard bike, a cruiser bike or an industrial bike. So all of the, all of the pedal manufacturers, the grip manufacturers like Hunt Wild, Bendix was gone. So we uh, basically couldn't get parts unless we got Chinese parts. So five years ago, we started to think about how to design a bike that would be a masterpiece, if you will. A bike that would last with no maintenance, a bike you could ride on the beach, 
that would, that would take care of all the problems we'd come up with in bicycles in the past. So here are the things we make on the bicycle that make it unique. We make the frame, the fork, the handlebar, the stem, the wheels, all the fittings inside the bottom bracket shell, the bicycle arms, all the fittings inside the head tube. We make the hub and we also make the bicycle seat. Now, very few people make seats. Our seat is not made like the cheap seats. It has a rotation molded cover and a very comfortable seat for a cruiser bicycle. And the cruiser bicycle can be one speed, three speed, seven speed, eight speed. It doesn't have to be restricted just to a one speed coaster brake. Just to keep it simple, then we uh, partnered up with SKF. So all of the, the hub, the bottom bracket shell, the headset and bottom bracket all are tapered roller bearings. In fact, the head tube has a roller, roller bearing used by Ducati, the same bearing. So while it adds a little bit of weight, we also went with the Reynolds a 921 stainless steel tubing, which is very light, very durable, and of course, uh, corrosion resistant. So now you've got independent seals like you'd have on your automobile or on a uh, motorcycle. So you can almost ride the bike, except for the Shimano rear end, for example, you could ride the bike in the ocean. Just spray it off and do that over, over a 15 or 20 year period. You could have this bike on your sailboat or at your place at the beach and it would look almost the same in, in, in 20, 30, 40 years as it looks when it's brand new. You'd have to replace the tires, for example, but everything else would hold up because it's anodized aluminum and stainless steel throughout. So we make, in my opinion, the best bicycle ever made of that type. Uh, I might be a little, you know, might, might think that maybe, but no, no, I'm going to say it again. The best bicycle ever made, period. So I have to step in here for a second, because that last part, listening back to it, if you weren't there in the room with Clayton, might sound like he's showing off or bragging, but there is a reason for it. It's not just an intellectual exercise that he did for five years trying to design an indestructible bike. There is a clear motivation that comes out, and that's the story within a story that I really want you to hear. And that's kind of what's taken me so long to put this together, is I really want that part to come out. So beneath the beach cruiser history, beneath how built up and beefy these bikes are and how he's thought about everything that could go wrong with them, there's a reason why he tried to build such a durable bike. And that reason's gonna start to become obvious as we listen to this next section. He's gonna go through some details about the build and what makes it so good, and then it's gonna come out. So listen for it. If I could put a bubble coming out of your bike's mouth, it'd be like, whatever. <laughs> I like that, yeah, that's, that's, that's it, man, bring it on. Yeah, what are some durability stories about your bikes? Oh yeah, sure. Now you have to remember, this is a new bicycle, and the process of bringing it to market has taken over five years. Because not only are we making the bicycle frame, we're making all the components. It has the highest content American-made product of any bicycle, anywhere, period. I would, I would defy anybody to come up with a bike with more American content on it than this bicycle. Uh, I know how many, how many parts that Swin had that were made by Swin, and how many parts Swin bought, and we have more parts that we make than Swin did in, those, in the old days. But your question was, uh, how durable? So I have to go, I, I, we don't have that, to be quite honest, we don't have that uh, experience where I can say that, uh, you know, it was on a safari or this, that, and the other. I can only tell you what we did with our uh, original bikes. So even though our bikes before were made with mild steel, even then, 
we have a big rep reputation for durability. With our original bikes, they were made in 1976. Now, they were mild steel, but we were the only company in the United States. There was another company in Sweden, but we were the only company that shot peened our frame for stress relief. While all the other bicycle manufacturers used 18-gauge steel, we used 16-gauge steel, a little bit heavier. But when you shot peened the frame, that increased the strength of the welds every, everywhere on the bicycle. It was welded by, by 300%. That's what they do to make high-performance racing cars. The, the, the uh, tie rods and so on and so forth in a racing automobile are shot peen for stress release. We were already ahead of the curve as far as engineering went then. So I know what the strength was of that bicycle, and I can tell you right now, and, I, and we never had a broken frame. Never had a broken frame with 20, 20, 25,000 bikes that we made. Never had a broken frame. So I, unless we run over by a car, and I'll tell you a, story, a little story about an Emory that we had before. But at any rate, uh, so knowing what, how that was made before, and now knowing about the bearings that are so much better, and the steel is so much stronger, Miles Steel has a, a tensile strength of about 55,000 PSI. This material, the 921 from Reynolds, has a tensile strength of 150,000 PSI. Ergo, you can, lose, you can use less steel and still have a stronger frame. So if it passes any indication of the future, then I think this will really have some, some of the stories that we had with Swin and with our, with our bike when we started to make the first bikes in 1976. So we had a guy come in and the top bar was bent. He'd, he'd had a wreck with his Emory. And he says, I want, it, I want you to fix it. And I said, well, uh, I'll just go here in the back in the factory. I'll get you another frame. We'll paint, we'll paint it up. What color would you like it? And uh, I'll use your old parts if you like. No, I got to have that same frame. Well, you don't understand, sir. We make the bicycles right here, it's the same tooling, uh, and it'll look exactly the same. Uh, we can put your name on it, and it'll uh, we'll paint it the color that you want, is or the same color. You'll be happy. No, I want I want that bike. Why do you want that bike? Oh, I met my girlfriend on that bike. I went to Alaska on that bike. That guy carried me through the Himalayas. I mean, it's got a story you wouldn't believe. So. We cut the bicycle part off that was on the top, put in a new, t a new tube, a piece of steel uh, tubing that was smaller, brazed it back, hand filed it, painted it back the same color it was, and it was exactly the same bicycle that it bought was when he was new, but he had to have it. He wasn't gonna have any other bicycle. And that's the attachment a lot of people have with our Emory product that, will, that they will have with our new bike with the, with the double tubing. Now, I wanna talk about the double tubing. The signature model, the Emory Mojave, M, uh, now the C4, has two double bars, two, bar, two double bar arrangement on each side that gives you torsional strength. To make this frame different, we move the double bars inside and put them in a uh, vertical configuration instead of horizontal, and boy, it looks terrific. It gives you more strength, actually, and looks better. So that was a, that was a good signature move that, that we had. Also, the bike is a C4. I have a, my oldest son has adrenal myelineuropathy. And can't move his legs, you know. <clears throat> so the Emory Mojave C4, the Emory Mojave C4 is uh, named after him. And of course, uh, some of the uh, proceeds from the bike uh, will go to uh, the Luca Dystrophy Foundation uh, in his name. So, uh, so that's why it's called. <clears throat> that's why it's called a C4. So I'm Clayton the, uh, the second, he's Clayton the fourth. And so we, uh, you know, hope to, to uh, 
be able to support that charity. Been very helpful to us in his illness and uh, rare genetic disease. So if we if we want to you know if we're gonna name a bike uh, with his name on it, we wanted to bring credit to his uh, to my son. But yeah, it's a very personal thing for me, and uh, has to be done right. Yeah, and that's about it. So I had no idea that part of the interview was going to come out. I thought the name was just a model number, C4. And it turned out that he had named the bike after his son. And that symbolically, for over five years, while his son was dealing with a life-changing illness, he was trying to make a bike named after his son that was absolutely untouchable and indestructible. And symbolically, it was, it was quite touching. It was at this point that we took a break from the interview, and I asked him if he saw the symbolism of having a situation totally out of his control in one part of his life, and him working through building this bicycle with his son's namesake, and making it as strong as he could, as almost therapeutic to something that he couldn't control. You know, I mean, you can use titanium and you can do things like that, but I don't know how anybody could ever make a better bicycle. I didn't, I didn't, when I considered the stem and the hub and the fact that we're using the tapered roller bearings, I just don't see how anybody could make it better, no matter who an engineer is. I'm an engineer, I'm a tool and die maker, but I'm autodidactic. I've just been doing this for 40 years, you know. Possibly a rocket scientist could come along and, you know, and make it somehow better. But not, it wouldn't be any stronger, it wouldn't be any, any any faster, you know. But I'm just, I'm just gonna repeat what I said because it's just, it's just, sometimes, you know, I started working on bikes when I couldn't control what was going on in my job, mm -hmm. and it was very therapeutic. Yes. And uh, to me, just from the outside, it looked like you had the, the illness going on with your son, and so you made this bike to well, be as strong and as invulnerable as possible as that's, a type That's of. true, except we didn't know what he had to begin with. And at first, like when he was 18 years, he's an Eagle Scout. He was in the Boy Scouts, so is Seabrook, they're both Eagle Scouts. And he could, you know, climb the trees and tie the knots, camp out and all that stuff, and he was in perfectly normal shape. And he, he was starting to get sick when we first had the idea to make the bike. So later on, I guess it's true what you say. I didn't think about it, but subconsciously, yeah, I mean, but. You, know, you want a bike that's going to reflect the highest quality you can. It's going to be something for your family. Uh, it definitely comes through that you know you you put the love into this bike, so it'll be there. Well, it's a Meister stick. I mean, it's the best I can make. Just to distinguish this, you're not making just a heavy old bike. You've right. got a you've got a part in the frame that comes loose, so that you can put in a carbon belt. Yeah. It's a collar that allows you to move the frame members on a sideways bent. It has channels inside so it doesn't pull left or right, it pulls apart, which doesn't put any stress on the frame. And then you can put your, uh, and the, most of the bikes will have uh, the belt instead of a chain. So we, want, we want to put a belt instead of a chain. More expensive, so you can get a, a chain if you want to, a stainless steel chain. But you get in the dirt, you know, with the belt, it uh, cl cleans itself, and it's for it's a beach cruiser. It's, for, it's supposed to be used on the beach. You could also use it on the road. You can put a, a Coaster Brake three-speed, seven-speed, so you could take it up into some hilly area if you wanted to. As far as um, riding in the dirt, the belt's the best thing. It cleans itself. I appreciate you, it's, it's like you almost were in a contest that was like, try and design the most durable bike you can imagine. 
and I think you guys are the winners. Thank you. That's exactly what we tried to do, and you're, you're saying that is, uh, makes it all worthwhile. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you very much. And where can people go if they want to check out your bikes? We're going to have a website. We have Amory.com Bicycles, www. When we were designing this bike, if I had made up a web page, the phone would ring. People would want to talk about it. Nobody could reach me for five years. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I put on 20 pounds sitting behind a computer. I was always in the factory before because we use computer-aided design. Everything on this bike is made with Siemens uh, solid-edge uh, computer-aided design uh, software. And uh, it's, it's uh, uh, been impossible for me to set to do the social media, to set up the web page and everything, but now we will address that as soon as we get through with this show, which has been very successful. People have been so uh, enthusiastic about this bike. I think it's the only bike like it in the whole show. I mean, as far as a cruiser, I don't think there is another cruiser bike in this whole show. Of course, we are in Hartford, Connecticut, but uh, you know. Uh, the, um, so, so it'll be emory.com, and then the Smith parts are in there as well. Uh, link to that. So we'll have that probably up in about a month. And that's C-M-I-T-H. Yes, for sure. C-M-I-T-H, pronounced Smith, not C-Smith or Smith. It's just, it's just Smith. And uh, that's for the parts. Smith is the, are the parts which you can buy independently, put on any bike. And Emory is the bike with using Smith parts that we make. Yeah. So... People can go there, check out this bike, and you can see how much love got put into this bike. That's absolutely true. If you're really honestly interested, I can talk to you now, so you can call our, our phone, and uh, it's 354-3339, uh, area code 904. You can call me direct and ask for Mr. Goodbike or for the big wheel. <laughs> I will be glad to talk with you. I'm free, I'm free from the computer, and I can talk. Thank you for sharing your story. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Recently, one of our favorite bicycle sages, Bruce Miller, shared a story about when someone tried to mug him while he was on his bicycle. Go ahead. Okay. I tried to rob you on a bike? Yes, I'm, I'm on my way home from work from uh, East Berlin, heading back to New Britain in Kensington. I stop at the bank to deposit my paycheck. I put it in the ATM. I get on my bike and I start riding. And as I get a little further up, the guy flags me down. I pull over and says, oh, I'm looking for some directions. Do you know where Paper Goods Pond is? I said, yeah, it's just up the road there. He says, oh, well, here's the deal. Give me your money. And I said, I don't have any cash. He says, I just saw you go to the bank. I said, yeah, I deposited my check. I don't carry any cash on my bike. Well, I got a gun. I said, I don't care. I don't have any cash. <laughs> and he says, oh. He says, well, go on. Get out of here. And I start going, and I'm, I'm bending over to look at his registration place. What, are you trying to see the plate? <laughs> and then he jumps, jumps in his van and, and, and goes away. And, and I pull out my cell phone. I call the police. They come. I give him a description of the van and a partial plate, and uh, I go home and I get a call later. They found the guy. He was in New Britain, 
And it was his first, he'd never done anything like that. He had lost his job and his wife was giving him a lot of crap about not having money. So he thought he'd make some easy money by mugging me on my bike. Because <laughs> cyclists have a lot of spare cash. Oh yeah, They're loaded. Yeah, yeah. They spend all their money on bikes. <laughs> but it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> that was a good idea. Yeah, you can't story. make that up. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for coming along for the ride on another Bike Karma Bicycle Podcast. I'd like to thank the band Mobjack and Keller Glass for opening and closing theme music. They're really cool. Go check them out. Judy Fulkenberg, Clayton Smith, and Bruce Miller, thank you very much for sharing your stories on the show today. Thank you for everybody who's downloaded and followed, including Metallica2x42000. Thank you very much for following on Podbeam. And Joe Whitwell, thanks for the likes and feedback. If you have any comments, suggestions, or a story you'd like to share with the show, or maybe you're even a potential sponsor, which you'd be surprised how reasonable I can be, you can contact me at bikekarmaguy at gmail.com. Thanks again to the people all over the world. Yes, I see you, Chile. And also thank you to whoever's listening in Scotland. If you're a listener and you have any friends who live in Greenland, it would be cool just to have one download from there. So please try and get your friend to listen to the show just once. Oprah, are you listening? Oprah? Well, maybe next time. The Bike Karma Podcast is the intellectual property of Thomas Brown. All rights, including trademarks, copyrights, etc., etc., are reserved and asserted. Well, Taryn is away at summer camp, but I know if he was here, he'd want to remind you to do an ABC quick check because I do not want to lose any of my listeners. What does that mean? Check your air, brakes, chain line, and then your quick releases before you go on a ride. You never know how things might get bumped around and I want you to stay safe. Also, the quick is to do a quick look around in a quick little spin before you take off barreling down a huge hill. I myself forgot that I unhooked my brakes to take my wheel off the other day and luckily I did the ABC quick check before I went down the hill. Thanks to all the folks patiently waiting in the queue for their story to air. I really appreciate your patience. I put a little bit of love into every episode and sometimes it takes several hours to edit. So thank you very much for waiting. Until next time, keep it wheel. Wheel, 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 wheel,